I figure even those of you who are not till after Thanksgiving people can be in Christmas spirit today, right? We're all together. We're starting Christmas and we're having our very first Christmas as a family here at Journey Church. I'm so glad that you're a part of it. Hope that you'll come back all December long. The card that you got tells you all the great things that are going to be happening. I know we asked some of you to, we ask all of you to send in some maybe nostalgic or early Christmas pictures. If you got in here early, you saw them on the screen. So I thought I would bring some of my own. This is uh, some of the finer, wait, no, that's, that's somebody else. That's Jono. I think we've got the, uh, the wrong slide going right now. Um, no, I, I brought some from the Sermons family. There we go. There we go. Look, isn't that cute? It's like tricycle Christmas. Everybody remember their first tricycle? Uh, here's another one, me and uh, jolly old St. Nick hanging uh, together right there. And then in my Christmas best right there, all dressed up and my, my sister getting ready to go to church probably right there. Man, those early Christmases, you remember those when you were a kid, just how excited you got and how awesome sort of that first feeling of Christmas was. But really, when you think about first Christmas, there are a lot of first Christmases. Uh, you, you have your actual first Christmas, uh, which none of us remember, right? We don't, we've seen some pictures maybe of us being there, but we don't actually remember the first Christmas we were ever a part of. Um, then you have the first Christmas that you remember, and it's sort of the images of what that was like. Um, you, you, have the, you have the first Christmas when you find out the secret, right? You, you've sort of been suspicious for a while, and you sort of started putting some things together and kind of asking questions. And so for some, it's younger. For some, it's a little bit older. There's, there's that moment, and you you, you just finally realize that your family's crazy, right? It's not a secret anymore. It's like, you are crazy. And our, our parents go to great lengths to try to keep that a secret and try to make Christmas look normal, make us believe for as long as we can that we have a normal family. Matter of fact, some of you are doing that this Christmas, aren't you? You're, not, you're thinking, all right, if we just stay an hour and leave and we keep them away from Uncle Fred, and like they'll never know. We'll get another Christmas when the kids think that our family's normal, but eventually they're going to find out the truth about what family's really like. Um, th- then you have, you have the first Christmas after you start college. And I know we, we had some high school graduates, and they've gone away. And if you, if you did that, if you went away to college, you remember what that first Christmas was like? You come back home, and they've redecorated your room. It's like there's no trace that you were ever even there. And, and then there's that transition of, for a whole semester, you've had no rules, no curfew. You, you could do whatever you wanted, and you come home for Christmas, it's like you're 13 all over again, right? That's kind of a rough transition for, for parents and for college students. And then if you got married, you had that first Christmas when you were married. Uh, Julie and I, right after we got married, we moved to Fort Worth, Texas, uh, I grew up in Georgia, lived a little while, went to college in South Carolina. Julie lived in South Carolina her whole life. Uh, we got married, got back from our honeymoon, moved to Fort Worth, Texas, so I could go to school out there. And so we thought it'd be really cool if we, if we made our first married Christmas card something that symbolized this new place that we had moved to, we thought was so awesome. So we, we went down to the Fort Worth stockyards. And, and this was our very first Christmas picture as a married couple. 
We thought it was a good idea. It's looking back, I'm not sure how smart it was, but that was, that was our very first Christmas as a married couple. Uh, first Christmas after you have kids. All right, here, here's our first Christmas card with five in it. Yeah, it's the first time we had, yeah, we'll start the first time we had five. Um, first time that the kids really start understanding Christmas. Isn't that a great Christmas? I mean, don't get me wrong. It's nice when you can give them an empty box and they're happy, right? Or hey, chew on this wrapping paper and that's all they care about. But oh, there's something magical when kids start realizing what's happening and the lights and the decorations and the anticipation and all of those things. That's a fantastic time. Uh, this next one is the first and last time my family talked me into putting on pajamas and going out in public to make a picture. <laughs> That was our Polar Express year. See, there's just kind of all of these first Christmases. It's not just one first Christmas. It's kind of a series of first Christmases over and over again. And we want to celebrate that here at Journey. And, and we also want to look back at the very first Christmas. Our, what, there was a first Christmas. And we have such beautiful detail from the New Testament, the gospel writers of Matthew and Luke especially. And so we kind of, over the next four weeks and then Christmas Eve, we kind of want to revisit what that whole first Christmas was about. And today, we're talking about the, the first decision that had to be made on the first Christmas. You realize there was a first decision. There was a, there was a first time that somebody had to decide something at Christmas. Christmas is about decisions a lot. Right, you you have to choose A or B. You have to be on one side or the other. Like the decision of do we travel or not travel. Just show of hands. How many of you we stay at home? We don't go anywhere for Christmas morning. We have Christmas in our house. How many of you are, whether we want to or not, we have to travel. Yeah, we got to go see somebody. If you're on the U version, there's actually some polls on there. We're encouraging people to vote, and then you can see how everybody voted on travel. Or not travel. How about wrapping versus gift bags? How many of you are wrapping people? Everything's got to be wrapped up with a bow on it. How many of you are gift bag people? It's just more convenient just sticking it about. How many of you are hand them a present and say, you're lucky I got you anything. It's, it's, it's not wrapped. Or Yeah, there we go. See, there you, you know. You know who you are. Here's a big one. This is kind of a dividing line. This divides families sometimes. White lights versus colored lights. How many of you are white light people? <clears throat> there we go. How many of you are colored light people? Reds and purples and golds and oranges. Yeah. One of my most vivid memories of Christmas, the, the way I knew that Christmas was really here, as a little boy, the little boy you saw in the picture there, get up from a nap one uh, afternoon Walk into the living room, and my dad is on his hands and knees with strands of colored lights. And I'm not talking about LEDs. I'm talking about those big honking bulbs that you screwed in. And he's going one by one trying to figure out which one's out and shaking them and replacing them. Just strands of colored lights. I grew up a colored light person until I got married. And on my first Christmas as a married man, probably on the way home from taking that picture on the cow, my wife said, you're a white light person now. And I, I have been a white light person ever since. Christmas is filled with all kinds of decisions. But there was, a, there was a first decision. 
There was somebody in the story that actually had the option whether or not to be in the story or not be in the story. As a matter of fact, we would we probably never know this person had they made a different decision. It wasn't Mary, as central as she is to the story. Mary really didn't have a choice, did she? I mean, the angel came and said, it's happening. Like, this is already a done deal. You got to go with the, go with the flow here. And she was honored and she blessed the Lord and magnified the Lord. We have that whole prayer of Mary in the Gospel of Luke. So Mary really wasn't given an option on the first Christmas. The person that was given the option was, was Joseph. Because God says to Joseph, look, hey, I want, you to, I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. I have a role for you to play. I've got a plan for you, but you don't have to do it. You could opt out. You could choose no. This is how Matthew records that conversation in Matthew chapter 1, the very first book of the New Testament. Matthew gives the family history of Jesus, sort of a synopsis of his genealogy, we call it. And then he begins the actual story, begins the narrative this way. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Decision. Stay or go. We can imagine the pressure that Joseph must have felt when he got the news. I mean, you're, you're engaged to be married. You've planned everything out. You know when the wedding ceremony is going to be. You've talked about where you're going to live. You, maybe you discussed how many kids you want, what the family is going to look like, where, where you're going to settle down. And then out of the blue, she tells you that she's pregnant and it's not yours. And she's got this story about God and the Holy Spirit and she's never been with a man. And all of these confusing thoughts swirling around Joseph, not to mention the fact that Engagement was far different then than it is today. I mean, they were married all except they just weren't living together. In order to cancel this engagement, they would have to actually get divorced. And here's Joseph, very beginning of the story. Decision time. Stay or go. Are you in or are you out? Yes or no? Joseph. Ever wonder why God chose Joseph? I mean, we, we talk a lot about God choosing Mary to be the mother of Jesus. We kind of revere Mary, and, and we sing songs about Mary. Nobody sings, Joseph, did you know, at Christmas, right? <laughs> there, there, there's, there's no hit song about Joseph. And I'm, I understand we, we should revere Mary. We should sing songs about Mary. But when God chose Mary... when when God said, you're going to be the mom, God was simultaneously saying, I want Joseph to be his dad. And God, the God of the universe was sending his son into the world and was going to need a human father. And God wanted it to be Joseph. 
And the only difference between Joseph and Mary in, in this sense is that Joseph could have said no. He almost said no. He seriously considered saying no. What, what do we know about Joseph? Well, we know uh, because Matthew tells us he was faithful to the law. He was a righteous person. It was his desire to do what God wanted him to do as much as he could. He wasn't perfect by any means, but as much as he could control, as much as he could determine, he wanted to honor God with his life. He wanted to do the things that God expected of him. In Luke chapter 2, Joseph and Mary take Jesus to the temple, and we read this in verse 39, when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, everything required. Joseph wanted to be faithful. Joseph wanted to be obedient. That's the kind of guy he was. He was a a righteous guy. Joseph was a compassionate guy. And we learned that from what we read. Given this sort of news about the person that you're engaged to, most of us would want to get even. Most of us would have no concern about their reputation or what other people thought or what happened to this person, but... There is a grace to Joseph. There is a compassion to Joseph in that he says, you know, I don't want to humiliate her any more than what she's already going to experience. I'm not going to add to that. Let's do this quietly. Let's talk just between us. I'm not going to make a big deal out of this. I'm not going to make a big show out of this. Joseph was a a man of compassion. Joseph was apparently a great protector. He protects Mary as they travel to Bethlehem for the census. When there's no room in the inn and Mary has to give birth among the animals, Joseph is the one that's there with her. Herod is going to decide to kill all of the newborn boys. And the angel comes to Joseph and asks Joseph to protect Mary and Jesus. This is Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And then after that threat had passed... The angel comes back. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. I mean, you are the God of the universe. You have created everything, and you are sending your son in a vulnerable package, and you need a man who will be a protector. And that's exactly what Joseph did. The last time we meet Joseph, The last moment that we see him on the pages of Scripture, Jesus is only 12 years old. I mean, what Joseph signed up for was was not fame, at least not when he was alive, was not notoriety. Joseph was content to just say yes to God, to just obey God, even if it meant we wouldn't sing a song about him. Even if it meant he would not be the center of the story. He just wanted to obey. We see him protecting Jesus again in that last moment that we see Joseph on the pages of Scripture. Jesus is 12 years old. And they brought him 
uh, to the Feast of the Passover, the greatest feast for the Israelites, as they're celebrating God's deliverance of His people, Jesus is going to use this moment to inaugurate the Lord's Supper some 21 years later, perhaps. They bring Jesus as the custom was, and He is a part of the Feast of the Passover. And some of you know the story. The caravan of family and friends all get ready to go back home. And they leave without Jesus. They lose Jesus. Which could make us critical of Joseph. Except, is there a parent in the room who hasn't been there? Right? Like, how many, time, how many trips to Walmart have you misplaced someone? Trips to the mall... We would never admit it, but how many times did we just totally forget they were with us, right? And it's like, oh, that's right. They're somewhere here in the Mall of Georgia. We should probably go find them. <laughs> which is what leads to memes like this, which is what makes the Internet so wonderful. I hate when I lose something and my parents say, well, guess you didn't care about it enough. Like you've lost me at the grocery store before. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you're a parent, you've been there, all right? Let's not be too... Critical. I, I, I once lost my youngest at Stone Mountain, and I didn't even know that I had lost her. We were at Snow Mountain. The older girls and my wife were sliding down the slide, and the little one was, was really young, able to walk around, and I, I, I'm, I, I just got too focused on making a snowman. I tend to get focused... <laughs> focused <clears throat> I tend to get focused on one thing and kind of forget the periphery and... And my mom, who had come to, to go to Stone Mountain with us, my mom, I look up and she's carrying Caroline back. And apparently they had been calling my name over the loudspeaker for like five minutes. Ken Sermons, come get your daughter from the police officer. So thank you, police officers, for, for keeping us safe. Look, we've all been there. We've all been there. We've all misplaced someone, and that's Joseph. And then we see this, this mad, passionate, energetic scene of Joseph and Mary looking for their child. But none of that happens unless Joseph says yes. The whole story starts with, Joseph, your choice. I had a plan here. I'm fulfilling something. I'm doing something really big, and you don't know all that I'm doing, and I can't explain all that I'm doing because you wouldn't understand right now. I want you to say yes at the beginning of this story. And it, it wasn't just that he said yes, it's that he, he did what he said yes to. Verse 24 of, of Matthew chapter 1, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. And maybe that's why God picked him. It's because he knew this is a man that'll say yes. Whatever I ask, this man will say yes. Whatever I put in front of him, he'll say, I'll do it. I'm on board. I'll obey. I'll go where you want me to go. And then he'll, he'll do it. Matthew chapter 2, verse 14, when, when the angel says we need to protect Jesus, we need to go down to Egypt. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. And then when it was time to come back, Matthew 2, 21. So he got up, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. This was not... Just sort of a, I'm supposed to say yes, yes. This was not a church service, yes. This was not like we sang a bunch of great songs and so yes, yes, but I'm really not going to do it tomorrow when I wake up. But I'll say yes today. It wasn't an emotional yes. It was a, 
Yes, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow through. I'm going to act. God, I'm going to do what I've told you that I would do. And, and, and maybe that's why God picked him. Because he'd say yes. I look back on my life. I bet you could do the same thing. And you see those critical decisions that you made that could have gone either way. That could have been A, could have been B. And you said yes. And then it changed everything for you. It changed your direction. It, it, it changed your relationship with God. I remember the first yes that I said to God. I was, I was eight years old. The first time I heard God say, it's a yes and a no. I want you to pick yes. I was at a summer camp. A whole bunch of boys went swimming, roasted marshmallows, played softball, went hiking, all the stuff boys like to do. Loved it. Had a great time outdoors, sleeping in bunks. We, we had Bible study every night. Like Different leaders would come in and would lead Bible study. I, don't, I, I didn't hear anything they said. My, my dad was one of them. My dad was a pastor. My dad was one of them. I have no clue what he talked about. Just wanted to play ball. Just wanted to go swimming, go hiking. Until the last day of camp. We're all in the cafeteria, packed up, we're getting ready to go. It's the last thing we're going to do. I'm sitting at the end of the table, and the camp counselor says, all right, any of you boys who gave your life to Christ at last year's camp, would you come forward? Like three or four boys scoot their chairs back. They start walking down to the front. I'm not paying much attention. Until they get to the front and they turn around. And I went from not paying attention to thinking, those boys have something I don't have. And I had no idea where that thought come from. I, I came from. I, I know where it came from now. I know it was the Holy Spirit working. But just out of the blue, this thought, man, they, they have something I don't have, and what they have is Jesus. I just kind of immediately knew that whatever they did at last year's camp meant something to them. And I had not experienced that. And like preachers will do, he said, every head bow, every eye closed. If you want to give your life to Christ, if you want to do what these boys did last year, this year, raise your hand. Shot my hand up. I don't know if anybody else did. I didn't really care about anybody else's decision. I just knew in that moment, as much as an eight-year-old boy could understand, God was saying, hey, Ken, it's a yes and a no right now. I want you to say yes. It's an A and a B. I want you to pick A. I'm here. I got plans for your futures, things that I'm working on, things I want to do in you, but I need a yes right now. And at eight, I said, yes. I didn't know how to word it. I didn't know how to put it. I, I didn't know how to pray it. I didn't get any help in how to make this step, but somehow God saw into an honest heart of a little boy that what he wanted was Jesus in his life and changed me that day. And so much of my life has been the result of that playing out again and again. That way back, I said yes. I was 14, almost 15. There's another yes, no moment. I, I felt God saying, I, I want you to go into ministry with your life. I want you to pastor. I want you to lead. I want you to be a part of what I'm doing through the local church. My dad was a pastor, and I wasn't sure that's what I wanted, but 
It was a simple yes, no. It was a decision. God just said, here it is, yes, no. You can pick no, I want you to pick yes. You can walk away, I don't want you to. This is what I want for you. I said, yes. Time and time again in my life, too many to go into, came to a crossroads, came to a moment, and God said, all right, it's yes, no. It's your choice. I want you to pick yes. Just like Joseph. Just like you. That there's those moments in our lives when God steps in and says, I need a yes out of you. I need a yeah. I need a step out of you. And not just yes because we're in church and there's a lot of pressure to say yes, but yes as in your life's going to start moving in a new direction. Yes, you're going to change something. Yes, you're going to do something different in your life. Starting this church, there was, there was days, weeks. There was A and B and C, and they couldn't go together. Like if it was A, it wasn't B, and if it was B, it wasn't C, and if it was C, it couldn't be A. It was like pick I want you to pick this way. I want you to choose to do this. You can choose that. I want you to choose this. Again and again and again. Decisions that God asks of us and asks for a yes. Now maybe you need to make one. Here at the beginning of Christmas season. Maybe you need to make the one that that little boy did. When I was eight years old, maybe that's the decision. Maybe you've never made that. Maybe you've never said, yes, God, I want Christ to come into my life, not just to be a Christmas story. I want Jesus, who wasn't just born, but he, he grew and he died and he rose again and he offers forgiveness for our sins. I want that Jesus in my life. All throughout this Christmas story, the narrators keep saying, this was so that all that was foretold could be fulfilled. This was so the plan could be fulfilled. What was the plan? The plan was so that Jesus would not just come and be born, but that he would become the salvation of the world for any person that would turn to him. And if you've not said yes to that story, do it now. Give your life. Surrender your life over to Christ as I did a long time ago. We're going to pray in just a minute. Maybe just in your own words, you would invite Christ to come in. There's not a perfect prayer. There's not a perfect way to make the words go together that's magical. It's what's in your heart. I desire a relationship with Jesus, and if you do, God will understand the words that you use. Maybe you're, maybe you're at a point where you just need to recommit. You just need to say, God, I'm just saying again, I'm in. Maybe you've kind of been on the periphery of, of what God's doing, or, or church, or worship, you just, you just kind of been ticking by, and maybe it's been years or, or months that you've really, your, your passion for Christ, your, your level of commitment to the things of God, it's been a while since that was really white hot in your life. And maybe today's the day that you say, you know what, God, I want that back. I, I want to say yes. I want to get back to that in my life. Maybe the front end of Christmas is the perfect time to decide that you will put Christ at the center this year. Because you know as well as I do, that Christmas Eve is going to be here like that. I mean, with all the appointments and the, the parties and the school plays and the, this thing and that thing and all this, Christmas Eve is going to be on us like that. And if we're not careful, it will sweep by us. And we will have hardly carved out time for the things of God.
Maybe right here. First Sunday of the Christmas season, you say, God, I'm saying yes to you this Christmas, even if I have to say no to some other things. I'm going to worship this Christmas. I'm going to come on Christmas Eve. I'm going to be here on Sundays. I, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to read through the Gospels uh, during December so that I just get my mind back around Jesus and who He is. Yes, I'm going to do that. This Christmas. What's the yes that you need to give God today? For some of you... Maybe you need to offer forgiveness to somebody this season. Maybe you've been carrying around, you've been, you've been bearing this burden of that person. and Maybe this is the season that you say, you know what? Not for them necessarily, but for me. I've got to let this go. There is a yes for you this Christmas. I, I love the way the, the angel starts his message to Joseph. Don't be afraid to do this. And don't be afraid. Don't, I know you don't understand everything. I know you don't have all of the answers. Don't be afraid to move, to say yeah, to step into what God is calling you into this Christmas. And I know we're all tempted to say, sure, if an angel showed up for me, I'd say yes. I mean, an angel gives me a message, I'm all in. But can we be honest? You don't need an angel to know what God wants you to do right now. You know. You know. He's put it on your heart. You've been thinking about it the last few minutes as I've been talking. or Maybe it's something that's come up again and again. And You don't need an angel. You know God's told you what you need to do. So like the first Christmas, make a decision today to say yes. Let's pray.